Welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more messages and resources, please visit allpeoples.com or download our free All People's Church app. I'm excited to begin a new series this morning entitled Real Church. Real Church. You know, one of my favorite things to do at the end of a week, I occasionally will get to do this. I'll show up at the kids' school and surprise them by telling them we're going to go see a movie. Any movie fans out there? Okay, I I love a good movie. I remember uh, back when VHS cassette tapes first came out. Anybody remember that? Anybody old enough to remember that? And what did they say? They said, this is going to destroy movie theaters. And, you know, it totally didn't. Obviously, they're still doing great. I was at the DMV this week, and I know, I know. uh, But I I looked up on the screens at the DMV, and it was actually showing how new movies are breaking these records for ticket sales. And I thought, you know what? Movie theaters are alive and well today. And, And here's what I love about going into a movie theater is you get to just relax. You get to lean back in those nice cushioned chairs in the stadium seat and just let the air condition wash over you right now. Some of you say that'd be really good right now. You get to, you know, sit there with a big drink in your hand, your big popcorn, chill out and just check out of life. Just, just be entertained, you know, and, and that is, that is not, bad as long as the movie is wholesome and and thankfully more and more movies are wholesome but the the challenge about this kind of entertainment culture that we live in now is that it's seeping into other aspects of life and one of the areas I found that that entertainment culture has come into is in the church it's come into the church and I was listening to a, a friend of our church speak the other day. His name is Francis Chan, and and he said, we believe the real church is called to be like a gym, not a movie theater. It's called to be like a gym and not a movie theater. I started ruminating on what are the similarities of a gym and a movie theater? Well, they're both places that you go to outside of your home. They're both places that you go to with friends. They're both places you go to have an experience and they're both places that you have to invest financially in, but, but that's about where the similarities ended. Then I started thinking, okay, what are the differences? Well, at a movie theater, you just sit and are sedentary, and you do nothing. You just check out, right? At a gym, no one goes to just lay around, or at least you shouldn't just go to lay around. And, you know, at a movie theater, you go with your friends, but you don't have any meaningful conversation. If, if you do, you get shushed during it. And uh, in, in a gym, you know, instead you're hyping each other up, pumping each other. Come on, come on, come on. Shouting at each other, coaching each other, pumping each other up. You know, there's some big differences between a movie theater and a gym. In a movie theater, right, you got your big tub of greasy popcorn, right, heart attack in a tub. And the drinks keep getting, every year, the drinks are getting bigger, Right? Pretty soon we're going to be rolling them in on a dolly, you know, camel pack. They're going to put one of those on you. In a gym, people go in with their bottle of water. They got their supplements. If they've got some kind of food, it's some protein bar. It's some green, organic, you know, 
powdery goodness. And, but here's the, main, here's the main difference I see. In a movie theater, you go to be entertained. In a gym, you go to be trained. In a movie theater, you go to be entertained. In a gym, you go to be trained and ultimately to be changed. And I want to propose to you that that is God's heart for us in the church. And as we go into this series entitled Real Church, we want to understand all that God has for us. Because I think in 2017 in America, we have gotten all kinds of ideas about what we want from church and what, what it should do for me, and I think we're missing God's mark. And I saw this hilarious video that I just wanted you to see, and some of the statements that are said are actually things I've heard people saying when they're coming up to church. So listen to this. Nick and Molly just moved to the city and can't agree on what they want. They are young and energetic and looking for a new church home. We'll take some personality tests, tour the sites, ask some questions, and based on taste, experience, and location, we'll find them the perfect congregation. I'm Corey Clark, and welcome to Church Hunters. We're so excited to find a church. We just started dating. Um, with the churches we go to now, just not, like for us, just not really doing it for us, you know? Right. I, I go to a satellite campus. I just find it hard to connect emotionally with a video screen. It's just... Okay, you cry during Cake Boss. So, like, we've been doing a lot of services online, a lot of podcasts. There are a lot of preachers we do like. Really good, but we want, we want serious yet funny. Yeah, like commanding of the stage yet relatable, you mm -hmm. know? We're more looking for uh, the humor of Andy Stanley with the body of Stephen Furtick. Hey, guys. What's happening? I'm Corey. Good to see you. My name's Nick. This hey, is Molly. Hey, guys. Welcome to Church Hunters. This is your first church. This is Creekside First Baptist. So while it is traditional, it's still pretty current. Just okay. this year, the pastor started untucking his shirts. Oh, Ooh, wow. that's good. Big deal. He does dress his age, though, so don't worry. He's past the Osteen suit phase, but he hasn't gone full Giglio yet. Okay, oh. so there's holes in the knees or no? Well, it's frayed, but no holes. Frayed? Oh. No. Okay, got it. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So hey, let me show you around. Okay? Right, Come let's on. let's do it. I do love this lobby. It's a great lobby. You know, yeah. it's not too big, not too small. Yeah. It should be enough room to catch up, chat with your friends. But here's a great thing. There's a bunch of side exits, so if you need to leave early and catch the game, you can do that. Got it. Yes. Oh. Honestly, right up front, uh, didn't love the name. No. I, First Baptist? Who names a church that anymore? I just... Not these days. We're looking no. for like a Thrive Church, maybe Relevant Church, I don't know, Radiant Church, something. This is the soundboard they use here. Okay. Now remember, it's pretty traditional here. So when Sunday comes around, they turn it way down low. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> but the one knock on this church, they still use the child care numbering system on the screens. Ooh, uh, yeah. Yep. Or as the moms like to call it, the sanctuary walk of shame. Yeah. <laughs> the Sunday morning experience was just a little too traditional for, for us. us. I mean, the pastor's main point, 157 characters. I can't tweet that. I really think you guys are going to love this place. I like we it. We do. We like it. Great. Yeah. You know, it's diverse, but it's not like too diverse, you know? Scripture-heavy sermons? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah? What about, uh, is it community-oriented? Absolutely. Great. Oh, women in ministry? The parking situation, you guys got to see it. Super rare nowadays. Come with me. There's like a, a maybe for when my parents we'll come into town yeah. for a church for Christmas. 
Easter type of church. Like a holiday Holidays. type church. One of the main reasons that I love this church for you guys is that on your personality test, Molly, you scored high in service and hospitality. Oh, babe. And there's wow. a great welcome team you could join. Perfect. Okay. And then Nick, you scored really high in need for accountability. Wow. And the men's groups here are amazing. You're just going to put that out there? Hey, just God like knows that? your heart, okay? On the next episode of Church Hunters. I think you're really going to love this place. They take relevance to a whole new level. This church identifies as inter-denon-denominational. This pastor speaks out of a brand new translation. It's the Tumblr Bible. Isn't that great? Not really. <laughs> Acts chapter 9. Turn with me to Acts chapter 9. We're in the book of Acts. The book of Acts chronicles the birth of the New Testament church and then the journey of the New Testament church and the people inside of it. Acts chapter 9 shows us and introduces us to a central character in the New Testament. His name is Saul. He'll become Paul, and he'll go on after his conversion and transformation experience to write much of the Bible. And so we pick up in verse 1. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So what you're seeing here is this very angry and violent guy. And he is actually going to be the centerpiece of this story, this chapter. Hopefully you understand by now, if you spend enough time in this church, you understand that God is not just after the good people. God is not just after the churchy people. God is after angry people. God is after violent people. God is after murderous people. God is after all peoples. He's pursuing their hearts. And so there is no one that you know, there's no one in this room, and there's no one that you are an acquaintance with that is outside of God's ability to reach. We go on in verse 3. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. This is what we'd call Paul getting rocked, right? If you know our vision statement, we say, get rocked, get real, and give it away. What's that get rocked part? It's having a life-changing encounter with the living God. What we see in Genesis to Revelation is that God is real. This isn't some religion. This is a relationship with the all-powerful, almighty God. And he shows up in dramatic ways to touch people's lives. And many of you have experienced him. You've experienced him speaking to you. You've experienced his conviction. You've experienced his power. This is what happens in Paul's life. But then Paul has to make a choice, and that choice, we're going to go through five waypoints in our journey. We're going to talk this morning about our growth path. Paul's choice is what we call a decision. Say decision. decision. All right, so the waypoint number one in our growth path, in our journey of being transformed as a believer, 
Point one is making a decision. If you were here last week on Easter, it was so encouraging to see the, the front just filled with people making decisions to follow Jesus. People that realize, I need a Savior. People that understand Jesus died for their sins, then he rose again, defeating the power of sin and death, and is inviting us into a relationship with him. The one way to start that relationship is making a decision. Paul did that. He said, Lord. He spoke in that scripture and says, Lord. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. How do we get saved? We make a decision. It's not by doing a bunch of good works. It's not by going to church enough. It's not by reading this book and, and, and doing that thing. It's by making a decision. And that decision includes declaring with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in our heart that God raised him from the dead. So we make a decision. And if you haven't made that before, I want to encourage you at the end of the service, I'm going to give you a chance to make that decision. Every week, people are making that decision in our services and in our life groups. Let's go back to the scripture here. It says, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Now, this is the way that God works. Someone gets saved, someone makes a decision, then God uses another Christian to help them along in their journey. Did you hear that? We make a decision, but we don't go on this faith journey alone. God always uses other people to be instrumental in our lives. Those people are called the body of Christ. Those people are called the church. So God spoke to Ananias and gave him a heart for Saul. And so he, he comes and he visits him at this house, says, he, he says in a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias said, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he's come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. Can I just tell you, sometimes as Christians, we look at other people and say, there's no way. There's no way God can use that person. There's no way that person will come to know Jesus. Can I just tell you that God is a God of miracles. And God can take the most broken person, the most sinful person, and turn them into a powerhouse for his kingdom. It's not our decision, it's God's. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much, how much he must suffer for my name. Verse 17, then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Two more points I want to make from these verses. What happened to Saul after he made his decision? He got baptized. He got baptized. I'm going to actually give you five points today, and since I'm a preacher, I like them all to start with the same letter. 
And so we're going to have them all start with D. So we're not going to call it baptism. We're going to call it getting dunked. Okay, so he made a decision, then he got dunked. Okay, so what, what is baptism all about? Let me ask you this question. Does baptism save you, church? No, baptism doesn't save you. Baptism is an outer symbol, an outer act of obedience displaying what's happened in your life when you got saved. Jesus said, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. It's the first act of obedience after we give our life to Jesus. When we put someone down in the water, it is significant, it's symbolic of the old person dying. Right? We say buried with him in baptism. They go underwater, and we say it's like going into the grave. Then we pull them out. We always pull them out, by the way. Some of you are scared about getting baptized because you're like, man, I'm not going to let nobody that I don't know put me underwater, no preacher. He might, he might not like me, you know? No, I promise. We've pulled every person out of the water that we've ever baptized. We've never lost one. <laughs> we won't lose you. We will pull you out, Right? So you say, buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in new life. And so we show the old person dying, the new person raised in a new life. We call it being born again. This is what the Bible says. It says, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So who should get baptized? Who should get baptized? Everyone who's given their life to Jesus. So if you haven't gotten baptized, I encourage you to get baptized. Now, I actually don't encourage you. I challenge you. Get baptized. Many times people get saved, and then they go, gosh, I wonder why I didn't start experiencing all the life that God has for me. It's because they didn't take the first step of obedience. It's the first step on the journey. The only way you're going to experience the journey is if you take the first step, and that's baptism. What I find is people all of a sudden find their life propelled into the good things of God when they get baptized. Baptized. Now, some people say, well, I was baptized as a baby. Is that what Jesus was talking about? Is that what Jesus was talking about? No. no. Now, here's why people baptize babies, and, and, and there's different churches that baptize babies. Why do they do that? It's because the parents wanted to dedicate their child to the Lord. So if you're baptized as a baby, you don't need to go and call your mama today and say, why would you baptize me? You don't need to do that. Be thankful that your parents wanted to dedicate you to the Lord, but that's not what Jesus was talking about. That's not believer's baptism. The scripture talks about in the book of Acts that after they were saved, you look at Acts 2, it says after they were saved, then they were baptized. Okay, a baby didn't get saved. A baby's not old enough to realize that they did wrong when they bit their mama's finger, right? But when an, a, a, a young person, even children, children start understanding, I'm a sinner, I need a savior, I pray and give my life to Jesus, I make that decision, that's when they get dumped. Okay, so if you haven't gotten baptized, I want to encourage you, in two weeks we're having a baptism bash in our service, right? Many people have been baptized with us. I'm going to put this number on the screen, 555-888, really easy. If you got your phone right now, and you haven't been baptized, I encourage you, take it, pull it up right now. You can even try this even if you don't want to do this just because it's so cool because I'm giving you permission to text in church right now, folks. <laughs> I'm not going to call you out. Just dial that number and then write all peoples, all one word in it, and a form will come up. And you can sign up to be baptized. What are you waiting for? This is the first act of obedience, getting baptized. 
And so I encourage every person, please get baptized to start your journey with God. And when you get baptized here, you're like, oh, I don't want to get baptized here because I don't know if I'm going to be a part, a member of All People's Church. It's nothing about church membership, getting baptized. It's about becoming a follower of Jesus. Okay, so let's keep going on that. The next thing we see in verse 18, it says, immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. You know, there was a physical thing happening, but I also believe there was a prophetic picture happening here. In our old life, we can't see Jesus. And even as we come into the kingdom, there's often things that block us from experiencing all Jesus has for us. We are enslaved or we're oppressed by the enemy. Look at what 2 Corinthians 10 says. It says, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they give divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. This is actually speaking to believers. I want to tell you that the majority of Christians I meet are not living in the freedom that Jesus promises. Can I just say that again? The majority of Christians are not living in the freedom from sin or the freedom from captivity that Jesus promises. I meet countless men who are enslaved to lust, to sexual addiction, to pornography. They've been in church their whole life. Why? Because they have not been set free. They're saved. They're going to go to heaven, but they're not set free. I meet scores of people who are tormented by suicidal thoughts and suicidal voices. I meet tons of people that are in a cloud of despair and despondency. I meet people all the time who have addictions to many things. They're Christians. They want to follow Jesus, but they're struggling with an addiction to alcohol, or they're struggling with an addiction to drugs, or or maybe it's something that's a little less obvious. They're addicted to media. Like, they are just a slave to Facebook, right? Facebook, it just overwhelms them. Takes them, Instagram, right? I can't do without it, right? Or shopping, or sports, or that there's just an addiction, and Jesus says, no, you're not to be slaves to anything. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free to no longer be burdened by a yoke of slavery. And so the third thing I see in this text is that we need to be delivered to freedom. We need to be delivered. Every Christian needs to be delivered. Say delivered. Delivered. That's why we do this freedom day. Uh, two months ago, we did a Freedom Day on a Saturday. We'll be having one coming up soon this, this summer. If you want to sign up, and I want everyone in the church to go through one of these. We're going to continually have them because we need to get people set free. Everyone, I find, can go into more freedom. And, and why would you say, well, how are we being oppressed or, or how are we getting trapped? There's several ways. The first of all is we all live in a sinful world, Okay. And the enemy tries to influence this world. So we all end up influenced by the enemy's power. Secondly, we all commit sin. We purposely walk into sin. I don't know anyone who hasn't sinned. And when we do that, we agree with the enemy, so we give him inroads into our life. Thirdly, we're all born into families. Did anyone in this room have perfect parents? Anyone? No. So that means that we receive Not only good from our parents, but we also receive generational sins. And we need to be set 
free from those. And, and fourthly, there's just things that we see and things that we observe that cause inroads from the enemy. And so we want to set people free. So I want to encourage you to come to one of these freedom times and, and to get prayer and get set free from the things that are enslaving you. Let's keep going here. Luke 4.18, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. See, there's a lot of churches that are proclaiming good news, but there's not as many that are proclaiming freedom. And Jesus said, I didn't just come to proclaim freedom. I came to actually set people free. So until you're free, do not be satisfied, church. Jesus has power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. But don't stop. Keep pursuing freedom until you get there and you need the body of Christ. Paul, or Saul, had Ananias come and lay hands on him and the scales came off his eyes. All right. I think some of you guys are getting this. Now let's, let's move on. That's the third D. Now here we go to Acts 9, 19. It says, Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. The fourth D is discipled. Say discipled. So we make a decision. Then we get dunked. We get, we get baptized. Then we get delivered. We're getting free from sin and free from the oppression of the enemy. But we need to be discipled. So Saul spent time with the disciples. This life is not made to go it alone. I, I talk to people and I ask them about their relationship with God. And they say, oh, I don't, I don't go to church, but me and the man upstairs, we have our own understanding. And I like to say, well, that's your understanding and that's not a biblical understanding because God's understanding is he puts you in a family. And that family is to disciple you. And you might say, well, I don't know what that word means, disciple. We don't use that much. To disciple means to train to disciple means to train. And I believe one of the reasons that the church is ineffective oftentimes in America is that we're not training people. You think about it. If all of a sudden we were going into war, who are you going to get? You're going to get untrained people or are you going to get trained people? Are you going to go down and say, oh, I need a group of people. I'm going to go to AMC Theaters in Mission Valley and get that group and, and charge. No, you're going to go up to Camp Pendleton and get the few, the proud, the Marines. Right? You're that's what you're going to do, right? You're going to go, you're going to go over to the naval base. You're going to, you're going to pick up some trained people who know how to wage war. Do you know we're called to be the army of God? We're not called to just be movie attenders. As the people of Christ, we're called to be the army of God. So there's two types of training. There's two types of training that Saul went through. One was mentoring. Say mentoring. mentoring. Everyone needs a mentor. Right? Everyone, every hobbit needs a Gandalf, right? <laughs> Poor little hobbit could have never made it on his own. That's how we are. We, we get saved and we're like these little hobbits, right? We got big feet, they're hairy, and we're kind of weird, and we need a wizard. We need that Gandalf wise person to come into our life. Everyone needs a mentor. So, Saul, you know, you think, well, maybe I, I don't really need a, a mentor. You know, I'm kind of mature in my faith. Can I just tell you, Saul? Okay, this guy, Jesus, appears to him on the road. Then Jesus, later on, we see, we learn in the Bible, Jesus took him into heaven. 
Like if there was anyone that you think doesn't need a mentor, like you're just getting discipled by Jesus himself, it was Saul. And yet Saul has Ananias, and then later on, you see that he has Barnabas. Old Barney shows up and starts leading Saul, Saul along. Okay, we all need a mentor. So what does a mentor do? A mentor, the Bible says, is iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Or so one woman sharpens another. Jesus says in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, to go and make disciples. I believe that much of the reason the church is ineffective is we haven't taken Jesus at his primary command, which is to make disciples. So how do we do that? We find someone who's a little older in the Lord. I mean, you might be a freshman in college. Find a sophomore. Find a junior, right? And ask them to meet with you. And we just teach three things. Look up, look in, look out, look up. It means to help someone grow in their relationship with God, learning to study the word and learning to pray. Look in. We ask accountability questions so that our lives can more reflect the teaching of Scripture. Look out. What does look out look, look, look like? It's a lifestyle of service, a lifestyle of sharing the gospel, a lifestyle of us making disciples ourselves. That's what we're doing in a mentoring discipleship relationship. The other thing, though, we see in Saul's life is he spent time with the community. Acts 2, 42 through 44 shows the model of the New Testament church. The church wasn't just a large group like this. The church was also meeting house to house. Let me read this to you. It said, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. This is the second way we're trained. We're trained in a small group of Christians. I'm, I'm always in a life group. My, my family is always part of a life group. And I love watching how people come in and get their lives impacted and changed, and they grow and they get transformed. People that have never prayed publicly before. And we're sitting at the end of life group, and we say, okay, let's pray for each other. And someone says, I don't know, I don't know how to pray. And then the other person says, well, it's just talking to God. So they pray, and then the person's like, uh, you know, God, uh, I'm here, and hi. And, but they learn to pray. And, and, and practice makes better. Not perfect, but practice makes better. And they learn to study the Bible. Why, why do we have life groups where someone's not just teaching? Because we actually want you to learn how to ask questions of the scripture and then how to apply it to your life, right? Some people say, well, I, I just want more teaching. Teaching is revelation. But when you're studying it together and having a discussion, that's when we get to application. And I want to tell you, the church in America is full of a lot of revelation, but very little acting on it. And so that's why we get together in a group and say, hey, what do you think? Hey, let's ask this question of this verse. What do you see here? And someone says, well, I see this. And they say, okay, well, what are we going to do about it? Well, I guess this week at my work, I need to forgive that boss who's been a jerk to me. We start applying the word of God. Then we're learning to fellowship. We're, we're, we're all of a sudden realizing how to have relationship, committed relationships in our life groups with people. And oftentimes they're not like us. Like, you can usually control who you hang out with in life, not a life group. <laughs> People that aren't like you show up at your life group, and you've got to learn, okay, we're here not because we share the same interests, not because we're just Padres fans. We're here because of Jesus. 
And I got to learn to love you and serve you. And all of a sudden, people are growing in their gifts. How do you learn to pray for someone? How do you learn to prophesy? How do you learn to move in the gifts of the Spirit? How do you learn to use your hospitality gift? It's not going to happen in a room of hundreds of people like this. This is great. This room is so we can experience the presence of God together and be taught the Word of God. But in life group, we actually get trained. Are you in a life group? Okay, if you're not in a life group, Text that number again, 555-888, and we'll help you connect to, to that. We want to help you get connected. Now, let's go to the last D. I'm coming to my last point. It says this. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues. Okay, you see this? In one chapter, homeboy who was murderous, anger, angry thug went from that to now he's preaching. This is crazy. To preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't this the man who just raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take all these people prisoners to the chief priests? Verse 22. Watch this. I want you to highlight this. I want you to underline it. It says, Yet Saul grew. Yet Saul grew. Say grow. grow. Say Grow. This is the calling on your life. Can I just tell you that every believer is called to grow? Every believer, you are called to grow. I want to tell you that abundant life that Jesus has called us to, church, is one of growth. And if you're not growing, you'll never be satisfied in your Christian faith. You're called to grow. When things don't grow, they look weird, right? Like plants, they stop growing, they're like, eh, right? We love a growing plant, a growing flower. We love, we love things when they grow. You will love your Christian life when you are growing. And this is what it says, Saul grew more. Can I just tell you, there's always more for you? There's always more. You say, well, I grew, yeah, I got to say back in the 70s, Jesus movement was there. Now I'm done, right? I've arrived. Oh, no, there's more. In fact, there's so much more that says Paul, Saul grew more and more. So some of you guys are like, yeah, I got more. No, you need and more. We're going to grow more and more. And look at what it says. More and more, Saul grew more and more powerful. Can you say powerful? You know, th this is your calling. It it's not Saul grew more and more heady. Like some people, their whole Christian life, they just think it's heady. Hey, hey, man, like, I, I got this. I read every left-behind book there is. Like, I, I know this stuff. So, some people, honestly, they think spiritual maturity is how much head knowledge they have. Uh, that's not maturity. Maturity is falling more and more in love with Jesus and becoming more and more like him. Maturity is falling more and more and more in love with Jesus and looking more and more and more like him. And, and, and you know that until we're living the life like Jesus, until we're actually making disciples, we haven't been deployed and, and, until we're doing this stuff. So here's what a lot of people think about church. They think, you know, I'm going to go to church and be ministered to by the pastor. And what Saul realized, because he'd later write this in the book of Ephesians, he'd, he'd write that God's called apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. For what reason? He says to equip the people of God, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. 
This is what deployment's all about. It's not about you coming and receiving from the, the few of us that are on the front row. It's about you coming and you get trained so you can be deployed into your business. And all of a sudden, you are a kingdom agent where you're growing more and more and more powerful. And you, like salt, you're sharing the word. And you are making disciples. And you are serving. And you're coming in here and not just thinking, man, I hope they serve me some good coffee today. And I hope Robert has a good message. And I hope it's funny, but I hope it gets more built up like that video said. You know, no, you're saying, I'm coming to minister. I'm going to minister in my spiritual family, and I'm going to go to my sphere of influence. I'm going to go to, 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 to the hospital I work at. I'm going to go to the junior high I attend. I'm going to go to the neighborhood that I live in, and I'm going to be deployed to make a kingdom impact. That's what it's all about, church. That's what we're called to do is make a kingdom impact. So this is how I want to end. I want to I want to give you some some next steps because you might go wow those five points to decide and, and get dunked and to to be delivered and to be discipled and to be deployed wow I'm kind of overwhelmed can I just tell you God's just calling you to the next step every journey becomes with one step you got to take that first step so what's the next step for you today I, I got a handful of steps I just want to put them up and we're gonna do ministry time. A little differently today, I want, I want you to pull out your phone, would you? If you have a phone with you, the one time that it's legal to pull out a phone in church, pull out your phone right here, and I just encourage you, this is going to be really cool, I want you to look at it, and I want everyone to look at it, even if you're not going to take a step, because I want you to know how to help one of your friends take a step. I want everyone, just text all peoples to 555-888, okay? And this isn't going to like automatically tether you to, you know, us for the rest of your life, and it's not going to, like, start taking money out of your account, or, you know, it's not going to tase you whenever you sin, <laughs> although I wish it did, but uh, just kidding, I'm totally kidding, um, but type in all peoples, and, I, and you'll see these different opportunities. Let's put those opportunities up. What's the next step for you? For some of you, you, you need to make a decision. Today is the opportunity you can make a decision. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give my life to Jesus. You can text that right in. You'll find that on that form. For some of you, it's baptism. Last service, we had lots of people sign up. They realized, hey, you know what? I've never been baptized, and I gotta take the first step. Take the first step. Don't wait. Don't wait until you're perfect. The people got baptized the day they got saved. You just get baptized and just watch God bless your obedience. Here's another thing. You, you, you wanna learn more about this journey. Come to our welcome lunch. Okay, we want everyone to come where you get to meet all our pastors. We get to actually talk with you and you hear more about this church. Here's the next thing, the freedom class. We'll have that a Freedom Saturday coming up this summer. We had a couple hundred people go. They told us it was one of the best things they had ever experienced. Why? Because they were getting set free to live that abundant life. Here's the next one, growth course. I'm really excited about this. As we're moving to San Diego State, we felt like it's time for a system update or a system upgrade. So we're gonna have a three-week class in June, and this class will repeat itself where we teach you about how to walk in this journey. We're gonna do a get rock class, a get real class, and a give it away class, and you can sign up right there. It's gonna start when we move to San Diego State. Lastly, School of Transformation. This is our deployment center. This, this school, many people in this room have gone through it. It's a one-year opportunity to go deep. You're gonna read through the whole Bible in it. 
You're going to learn about your specific giftings, your specific calling, your authority you have in Christ. It's a great way for you to be activated in your ministry, whether that's in whatever sector of society you're in, or maybe it's even in a different nation of the world. So just take a minute, and let's just pray. Would you just close your eyes with me? And will you just ask God, what's your next step? And maybe it's a different step than what's on here, but I wanna encourage everyone today to say, I'm gonna take a step forward in my journey of growth. Lord Jesus, we wanna be doers of the word, not just hearers only. We pray that we'd be a responsive church. Lord, I pray that people would continually make decisions when they come into this church. In Jesus' name, I pray that, that San Diego would be a hard place to go to hell from because so many people would be coming to Jesus in this church and in the other churches in the city. I pray that people would get baptized continually, Lord, so they take that first step. I pray that so many people would be delivered into freedom, that there's people in this room that feel hopeless because the enemy's attacking them. Lord, you wanna set them free. And so we're excited about that. Lord, I pray that every person in this church would be a disciple, that they'd get discipled and then they'd start making disciples. Every person in this church would be in a life group. I pray that there wouldn't be one person that misses New Testament community. And Lord, I pray that we'd all be deployed. We'd be deployed into our spheres of society. Lord, wherever you have us right now as a, as a student or in a neighborhood, or in a business place, or in the entertainment industry, or an athlete, Lord, we would be disciples. We would be missionaries in that sphere, bringing your kingdom in power. Would you just stand up with me, church? Would you just stand up right now? Prayer team, would you come forward right now? Prayer team, come on forward. Be ready to pray for people. If you need to give your life to Jesus this morning, I want to pray with you, and then I want to invite you forward to get prayer and to receive a free book that's gonna help you with your journey with Christ. If you need healing today, we always pray for the sick at the end of our services. If you need a breakthrough in any area of your life, we just have a few minutes before we end the service. We wanna encourage you to come get prayer, but would you just pray with me, church, right now? And if you've never given your life to Jesus, you can just repeat this prayer, making a decision to follow him. If you need to give your life to Jesus this morning to say, Jesus, I need you. Just repeat this after me if that's your need. Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for rising from the dead for me. I give you my life. Come and be my Lord and Savior. And I will follow you forever. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you to come forward and pray with one of our prayer partners. If you need healing this morning, I want to encourage you to come forward right now. Just wherever you are, just start making your way forward right now. If you have a, a situation that you need prayer for, if you're saying, I need to take one of these steps, but I need some courage, come and get prayer. You just make your way out wherever you are, even if you're, you're in the middle of a row. We're just going to sing this one last song together. And you just come now. We're going to wait for you. We're going to pray for you as we sing this last song together.